You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good morning and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Ryan Hickey. We do appreciate you joining in and giving us a few minutes on this Thursday morning. We hope everyone is staying safe out there, washing their hands, practicing social distancing, and at least staying sane, right? We're in officially week three of the uh, the full week quarantine. This, as if you listen to President Trump or really anyone in sort of power talk um, on the TV of late, unfortunately, as we know, this is ending no time soon, at least through the month of April. And we hope at least while March is finally in the rearview mirror, which seems like it was one of the worst months that we can recall, at least if you're a part of the younger generation like myself, uh, that you can really recall in our lifetime. Um, and if, thankfully, that is out of the way. But now, at least in April, comes in where at least there's some hope that while it still will get worse, we hope that at least it does get better towards the end of April and that we at least do turn the corner, hopefully, especially here in the Northeast, especially in New York, especially in New York City, where obviously, as you know, that is um, the rate and the spread is uh, is more concentrated and more dense than really any other place in the country right now and really rivals that, unfortunately, of a lot of places in the world. So we do hope you are staying safe, you are staying sane, and again, we do appreciate you joining in and tuning into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on this Thursday morning. We do have a lot to get to. And unfortunately, I was, not be able, I was not able to do the show on Monday, so it's good to be back. I apologize for not being here on Monday, but excited to, uh, to be back with you on this Thursday morning. We still have a lot, a lot to get to, a lot of sports um, to discuss. But also, if you listened to the show last Thursday, I, I hyped it up before I realized I couldn't come in on Monday, but we're going to do a big Tiger King review and bigger, big Tiger King just really discussion. And I know it's obviously, you know, a lot of people are working from home, so it's kind of tough to devote your full attention or really kind of chime in and give your thoughts on the show. Because, again, you're working from home. Um, if you have us on the back and we do, again, we do appreciate you. Hopefully give you some entertainment, give you some laughs. Um, but if, you know, this is a show that at least a lot of people in America have watched, have uh, wa- uh, reacted to. And we want to give you this platform released on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network to give you your thoughts. Because there is, to say you have thoughts or say you have one or two thoughts is an understatement because, if you've seen the show, as you know, there is so much going on in Tiger King that I'm hoping at least that we can spend as much time as possible starting an hour from now. So right at the 10 o'clock hour on the East Coast, if, you are, if that's really what you're tuning in to listen to or want to discuss, 10 o'clock, uh, we'll discuss, dive all in on Tiger King. I'll give you my thoughts. Um, again, I'd love to hear yours either on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you type us on Facebook, right there is a live stream. You can comment below. Um, we'll read those on the air, give you give your thoughts. If you're on Twitter, um, our Twitter handle, WWSRN underscore radio. That's WWSRN underscore radio. Um, there's a live stream right there. You can comment below, tweet below your thoughts, or my personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three if you want to drop some thoughts there. So 10 o'clock, we will discuss Tiger King because there is whew, there is a lot, a lot to discuss. But before that, we still have a lot of sports to get to. The NFL, I feel like this is, you know, at least I've seen this reaction a lot on social media, and a lot of talking heads have, um, have brought this point up in the past few weeks. And it's that, is the NFL being reckless by continuing business as usual? Right, obviously, free agency happened a few weeks ago. That continued basically as normally as it as it would for the most part. You know, outside of meeting, uh, having these meetings face to face, basically they're done over Skype or FaceTime or over the phone. So outside of that, basically, free agency went on without a hitch. Basically, went on as normal, um, and now we'll have the draft in a few weeks. 
basically, again, as normal. Obviously, it will be a sort of video Skype virtual draft where you don't have the draft picks there walking up, shaking Roger Goodell's hands. Um, you don't have a crowd. Obviously, in Vegas, they're going to have a big, big, big Vegas um, setup where a lot of fans were going and kind of help warm uh, and help welcome the Raiders to their new home city. So obviously that would be different. Besides that, the draft's still going to go on as normal. And the NFL right now is bracing for a normal season, which I think that is absolutely, they're doing the right thing. I'll get into that um, in a little bit and why. And a little bit later on as well, at the uh, end of this hour, right now the three leagues that are in season, the MLB, or supposed to be in season, at least with Major League Baseball, and obviously the two seasons that were paused with NBA and NHL. And then one of the main discussions, one of the big thoughts is that once resumption of these leagues happen, and once it occurs, could no fans be in attendance? And to me, at least, this is imperative that these three leagues um, follow these guidelines and start the year with no fans. I'll give you that and why. And if uh, you're a big college basketball fan, um, HBO put out a documentary called The Scheme um, over the weekend. On, or I think it was actually Tuesday night, excuse me, so earlier this week. And I checked it out. It was about this man, Christian Dawkins. If, again, if you're familiar with college basketball, at least what, what happened, Christian Dawkins was essentially – Agent's not the right word to say, but whatever a step down from an agent would be in the basketball realm, that's what he was. He's basically ushering, you know, identifying these high school players that were going to be really, really, really good. Basically try to give them some money, give the family some money. So that way, once they went to school and more importantly, once they went to the NBA, they would consider him and his partners basically, you know, to be their financial advisors or sign with their agency. Just basically try to get to these kids early, recruit them early to where they would sign with him later on once they're in the NBA, once they're superstar, to manage their money, be, be their agent. And so the, uh, HBO put out a documentary basically talking to Christian Dawkins because he was the main guy that the FBI uh, cracked down upon and really investigated for his doings. And I want to kind of give you my thoughts because I thought the documentary for the most part was interesting. I just thought it was for the wrong wrong reasons. And I thought it brought to light a lot of what is wrong, at least in today's society, with not even college basketball, just the way the NCAA operates. And I feel like a lot of this has, you know, brought problems onto themselves. And not to mention, too, the FBI, who was uh, the main investigators in this, did not come out the best. So I'll give you those thoughts and we'll end with the Quarantine Chronicles. I'll give you some teasers about the Quarantine Chronicles. I, this might be my favorite uh, Quarantine Chronicles segment by far to date. I think this is the third week we're doing it. Um, just to give you, you know, at least some of the, t- the teasers, you have a police chase that involves a pit bull. You have a house arrest for breaking, or I should say an arrest for breaking the curfew. And what this girl in New Jersey was doing is f- by far worse than actually just leaving the house when you're not supposed to. Um, and it involved a Molotov cocktail, let's just say. So uh, the Quarantine Chronicles at the end of the show, I think, are, are one of the best that we've done so far in the third week of this segment. So I'm very, very, very excited. Um, and again, if you have any of your own stories you want to share, uh, either on Twitter, uh, WWSRN underscore radio, my personal Twitter, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three, or on Facebook, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you look us up on there, the live stream is right there, and then um, you can comment below your your Quarantine Chronicles story. But I think I have three stories so far that I think will give a laugh for everyone, and they're almost too good to be true and almost too hard to believe. But they're all from factually-based you know, uh, newspaper websites and local reporting, so this is all real. And I think you know, you're going to have to hear it to believe it. Um, but we'll start with this. Because, again, the big news that this week, at least in terms of the NFL, was that 
officially. Now, we knew this was going to happen once the NFL um, Player Association and the owners approved their new collective bargaining agreement that will go into effect this year. And again, in a few years, maybe this year or the start of in two years in 2022, we'll have a 17 game regular season schedule. But included in that CBA and, and one of the additions that would start immediately upon uh, once it was approved was expanding the playoffs from 12 teams, you know, six in each conference. You have the two, uh, the four division winners and two wild cards. And now one extra team in each conference will make the playoffs. So you go from 12 teams to 14 teams. And to me, at least, I think playoff expansion is a win-win for both the fans and for the league. And here's why. First of all, if you just look at it on its face, right? Obviously, you expand the playoffs, so now more teams have a chance to make the playoffs, which if you want to say that waters down the season, I would hear you. I would disagree, but I hear at least your argument. And look at the NBA. Part of the reason why people and fans really don't lock into the NBA outside of around Christmas time is, is really around this time once the playoffs start heating up and once you have the final month, few weeks of the playoff race, is because there's not much power to the NBA, right? You have the teams at the top. You have the top two, three, maybe four teams that are you know fighting for seeding. Uh, and then you have the teams at the bottom where you normally – um, these last few years, you've had seven, eight seeds make the playoffs that are under 500, really have no chance, and their best, um, their best hope, I, I guess you could say, is win one game, right? Just not get swept in the first round by whoever the number one seed is or the number two seed. So there's really not much excitement once it goes to the once you know the playoff race um, in the NBA comes down the stretch, and really once the first round of the playoff hits because some of these matchups are so lopsided that it's really not fair. But the NFL, this is different. So at least to me, first of all, right off the bat, you look at adding an extra team. So many more games now have importance going down the stretch. Right? This is not the NBA where a lot of fans tune out the last month or tune out until the last month, I should say, of the regular season. Or maybe even you know, if you're a fan of a team that's really good or at least clinch a playoff spot, maybe you will coast and, and tune out the last two or three weeks and then gear back up once the playoffs start. Now you add extra importance because now all of a sudden an extra team, so now you, by allowing an extra team, you give an extra two or three teams that are still fighting for that playoff spot a chance and hope when it comes December that they will still have a chance to make the playoffs. And what does more meaningful games mean? All of a sudden now you have better ratings in more markets, attendance is higher, and merchandise sales is higher because now you have fan bases believing their team can make the playoffs. And maybe you know if there was only a 16 playoff and they're the, eighth, you know, the team right now is in eighth place, yeah, you know, your hopes are, are, uh, are glim, slim, I should say, and, you know, maybe the last two or three weeks you're not into it. As a Colts fan, I can attest to this 100% these, this just past year. The Colts had a great start to the year. They start 5-2. and two. Really get my hopes up. I think they can win the division, let alone make the playoffs. They have a pretty horrid second half of the year, including a terrible month of December. To where they're eliminated from the playoffs. They lost a Thursday night game in Houston. And then, believe with two games left, that was basically the nail in their coffin. Their season was over. And I can't deny, I can't lie, the last two games, I had on, I paid attention, I watched, but I'll just say I was more interested by other games going on, I was more interested by my fantasy team. I had other games to look forward to, I should say, outside of watching the Colts play the Panthers, and outside of the Colts playing the Jaguars. I just wasn't into it. But now, all of a sudden, you add an extra team in, I'm back in, because now the Colts aren't eliminated as early, and a team like the Colts, that is, let's say, Eight and you know seven and seven. Let's say going into the last two weeks of the year, they have a you know more of a chance to be in it than they were in the past. And unlike the NBA, I don't think letting an extra team on the bottom end waters down the playoffs at all. Now Ian Rapport did some great research. 
so as he said, because the last time the playoffs were expanded was back in 1990. So he said if this format was was instituted back in 1990, so 30 years of evidence and data to where if this if they had 14 teams in the playoffs starting in 1990, just so there'd be 60 extra playoff teams, just one of those 60 extra playoff teams that would be that would make the playoffs have a losing record, just one. So I know that is obviously you see in the NBA that is a big. Um, you know, that hurts the playoffs, I should say, because you have these teams regularly in the 7-8 seeds that are under 500. The NBA can't expand the playoffs because they're only allowing more bad teams, and, and, you know, there's already enough bad teams that make the playoffs as is. The NFL, that's not the case. Think about that. One out of 60 teams, if you were to expand the playoffs going back 30 years, would have made the playoffs with a losing record. We already see right now the playoffs as is. You had a 7-9 Seahawks team not only make the playoffs, Win the division, have a home playoff game, and win that playoff game. They beat the Saints who were eleven and five. It was it ten years ago? When you had Marshawn Lynch have that viral run where he broke, it felt like a million tackles, hold his junk going into the end zone. You know, that that play will live in NFL history. That team was seven and nine that year, and they won a playoff game. So it's different to the fact that where you have a, you know an average NFL team, but the way the NFL schedule works the way the NFL playoffs, you know, when it's just one game, these teams have chances. You're not watering it down to where basically you're allowing the seventh seed. Now, basically, you're giving them a free invitation to whoever the number two seed is to roll over them. That's not the case. We just saw this past playoffs. You had the Tennessee Titans be the last team in as a sixth seed. What did they do? They went into uh, New England, a notoriously hard place to win, let alone in the regular season, in the playoffs. They go in there, they beat Tom Brady, they beat Bill Belichick in Gillette Stadium. An impossible, impossible task as the last team uh, in the playoffs as a sixth seed. Then they go and do uh, one-up themselves, beating the overall number one seed in the Ravens with the MVP at quarterback in Lamar Jackson, a 14-2 team in Baltimore. They go and win. So the NFL already has enough parity to where once you make the dance, once you're in the tournament, you have a legitimate chance. The Titans got hot at the right time. They went to the AFC Conference Championship game. And they got through two tough teams in the Patriots where it's impossible to win in their stadium. And the Ravens were the best season by far of any team in the NFL last year. So it's possible that whoever the seventh seed is next year, can absolutely win a playoff game or two and get hot and really make some noise. Now, not to mention, too, I just talked about how, you know, if you expand this format, you're only allowing one team out of 60 that would have had a losing record. Well, not just that. So not only are you not adding bad teams, you're adding good teams. If you go back just 10 years, going back to 2010, if they put this, um, this playoff bracket and allowed an extra team, so allowed seven teams in each conference in since 2010, five teams would have made the playoffs with 10 wins. Think about that. Five teams last year, and there were six teams total. One was an eight seed, so one year you had a really good, you know, a really good conference. But you would have five extra teams that make the playoff with ten wins. So the undeserving teams aren't the ones that are going to be benefiting from this extra playoff spot. It's going to be teams that maybe got off to a slow start. Maybe you're in a really tough division. Let's say like the Rams. The Rams last year were the seventh seed. They were the first team out. They were in a division last year with the 49ers and the Seahawks who their game, Week 17, was a battle for the number one seed in the NFC. They both were so good last year. And you had the Rams there in third place, who were 9-7. and seven. Had a pretty, you know, a definitely disappointing year, but they were no slouch. 
They weren't terrible. And they would have got in last year. So the undeserving teams aren't the ones getting in. The deserving teams are, like I said, since 2010, so 10 years, you go 10 years back, five extra teams with 10 wins would have made the playoffs. This is instituted 10 years ago. But it doesn't just benefit those on the bottom, right? Those fighting for the last playoff spot or two. This also benefits the fans in the league for those who root for teams are at the top. Now think about it, right? You have, since with this new format being instituted, not only are you allowing an extra playoff team in, or an, an extra team in the playoffs, excuse me, in, you're also eliminating one bye. Meaning you have seven teams, only the top seed in each conference has a first-round bye. And why, so now, with that only top team getting a bye, you're forcing teams to play their hardest through Week 17, no matter if the division is clinched, no matter if they have a stranglehold on the conference, because they have to make sure they get that number one seed to get that bye. Right? You had the Ravens last year sit Lamar Jackson and sit a lot of their stars in Week 17 because they had everything locked up. Now, some teams will be able to do that. If you have a great year like the Ravens did, we go 14-2, you have the number one seed locked up heading into Week 17, you can still do that. But a lot of these teams don't. And again, as you saw with the Seahawks of the 49ers last year, that game on Sunday Night Football to end the regular season was for that number one spot. Now that top seed gets all the more important because now all of a sudden that's the only spot guaranteed to get a bye. And why is it so important to get a bye? Because if you go back 10 years, the last 10, 10 years of Super Bowl matchups, so you have 20 teams to make the Super Bowl, 17 of the 20 teams to make the Super Bowl in the past decade had a bye, had a first-round bye in the playoffs. So they're either the number one or the number two seeds. 17 out of 20. That shows how important it is to get a bye and how much it helps you when you only have to play two playoff games and one, at least one is at home if you're a two seed, depending on how it goes. And now this year, or going forward, I should say, Obviously, you get the number one seed. You get home field advantage. So it is very, very, very important to get that buy. To first of all rest, you you know you 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 save yourself from playing one extra game. You get home field advantage. You get to watch your opponent how it, how they how they play, how they played the last week, how to scout them. And especially, this is going to get even more important in a few years once they go to a 17 game regular season, because guess what? They're not adding a second buy. All they're doing is tacking on an extra game at the end of the season. So guess what happens? Teams will be even more banged up. Teams will be even more hurt. And now that buy even becomes more important than it already is because more than just, again, saving yourself from playing an extra game, you need that, that week off to give players a rest. Just have them juiced up for the playoffs. This buy becomes all the more important. So now, not only again, are you helping teams from the bottom drum, you know, drum up some more... Um, excitement and some more interest for those teams fighting for that seven seed now instead of the six seed. You're forcing teams at the top who had great years that are, let's say, 13 and two with one game to go, or 14 and one, or 12 and two, let's say, 12 and two with two games to go. You are forcing them to still play as hard as possible because they need to get that by. And every, every game honestly truly matters. You will rarely see players sit. In the final uh, week of the season, especially if that number one seed is not clinched. So now you give teams at the bottom a chance to watch relevant football. And now teams at the top can't just coast through the end of the season and coast the last game or two. They have to play hard and full until the final regular season is all over. So at least to me, I don't see how this, you know, this hurts either the fans or the league. Excitement is going to be higher. There's more football to watch. 
better football to watch, not, not just more football, I should say, because I made the argument that at least a 17-game regular season, I believe this, will hurt the product on the field. It will hurt games because training camp will be less physical and because now teams are going to basically try to be as safe as possible, especially that, f- that first month of the year is basically be going, going to become preseason. Because no one's going to really hit. No one's going to play hard in training camp. They're going to save themselves for the regular season. And that first month, a lot of teams will be working out the kinks and trying to get back into football shape when the regular season is going on, when games actually matter. So I'm not a big fan of just more football for more football's sake. I'm not. But I am, in fa- I am a fan of more football that's good football and important football. I'm all in on that. So you expand the playoffs, you give one team each conference an extra chance to make the playoffs. To me, it doesn't water it down because you still have good teams making the playoffs. Any, you know, teams have a chance. Like you look Again, you go back 10 years, four wildcard teams have at least made it to the conference championship. And the sixth seed in the Packers 10 years ago win the Super Bowl. So it's not outlandish to say that whoever's the last team in has no chance. Again, we just saw the Titans just this past year go all the way to the conference championship game. And at least for the first half, go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. So this to me, again, it hurts the bottom of the bracket. I mean, it helps, excuse me, the bottom of the bracket, and it helps the top of the bracket. So I don't see how there is a downside for the league or for the fans. So let's get your thoughts. I, I know, you know, whether you're a fan of an extra game, and I'd love to get your thoughts. Are you a fan of more an extra playoff game? Do you think it waters it down? I know there are fans that, with the extra playoff game, think it actually hurts the regular season. Now the regular season is not as important because, you know, ha- almost half the league makes the playoffs, so who really cares? Right, 28 of the 32 teams will make the playoffs now with this new format. So you go from less than half um, to – oh, boy, I'm trying to do some quick math here. Just a, Still less than half. Oh, my goodness gracious. Holy cow. I apologize for that last 10 seconds you guys just had to hear. As you can see, math is not a, not a strength of mine. I was not a math major in school. But still <laughs> – um, some people think that the regular season is watered down by extra playoff games. I do not. I think it only helps the regular season, helps the playoffs, it helps fans for both the bottom and the top. I think this is a win-win for the league and for the fans. I'd love to get your thoughts. Again, if you either want to comment on Facebook, um, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, or if you want to drop a tweet at Worldwide Sports Radio Network, we're at WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or my personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three. So we'll get your thoughts. And if you are a fan of expanded playoffs in the NFL, and when we come back, speaking of the NFL, we'll stick on that topic. Are they being reckless by continuing the season business as usual, essentially? I'll tell you why they're absolutely not reckless at all, and they're doing the smart thing during this crisis and during this pandemic. So that is all coming up on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Ryan Hickey. We do appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully everyone is staying safe, and more importantly, in this time, staying sane. Obviously, that you know, staying safe and staying sane really should go hand in hand because if you're working from home, it, is, uh, it can be tough to focus. It can be tough to just kind of find out a new routine and just keep your head on straight because when you're, yeah. I've worked from home the last week or so. It's definitely been tough to... Uh, Stay concentrated and just keep from going insane because all you're doing is just in the house 24-7 essentially. You know, all of a sudden now going food shopping or just even walking around the block is like the highlight of the day. So if everyone has found, you know, a little bit of a routine and, and found some ways to keep themselves sane, um, and at least at this time being as coronavirus pandemic again continues, 
uh, throughout the country and throughout the world. So if you just uh, just are tuning in, we do appreciate you joining us uh, this morning. We, uh, we talked about and opened with uh, news from a few days ago, the NFL approving um, a extra playoff team from each conference making the playoffs this year. Uh, so now instead of 12 teams, it'll be 14 teams that make the playoffs, again, starting this season. So I just want to get your thoughts. I thought it was a, it's a win-win for the fans and for the league. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think all it does is drum up interest, um, add intrigue, and add relevant games, and more important, football to the schedule for those teams fighting to make the playoffs and for those teams at the top trying to fight for that now only by in each conference. Uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts either, again, on the World Art Sports Radio Network on Facebook or on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio or my personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three. So we'll stick with the NFL. Um, and this is kind of at least a theme that I've seen the last few weeks. Um, and at least it was even, you know, kind of um, – blown up even more, I should say, by Adam Schefter when he was talking with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter a few nights ago. And he was obviously visibly frustrated um, about the NFL draft basically continuing as normal. And the NFL seeming like they basically have no regard or no care for what's going on in the rest of the world and the rest of the country. They just are focused on themselves and doing business as usual. And even and when Adam Schefter, again, obviously a longtime ESPN insider, and just a, you know, a name synonymous with the NFL. It was interesting for him to kind of even voice his frustration of like basically how the NFL seems tone deaf by can't, you know, continuing to go basically, again, business as usual. Free agency happened a few weeks ago. That went on as scheduled. Um, you have the NFL draft that, you know, while there's some changes, they're not going to be a live draft in Vegas. It's going to be a virtual draft that basically, you know, it's going to, it's going to continue. And now you look, whether it's the golf, they are slowly canceling their majors. You had Wimbledon um, just come out, was the latest event to be canceled. And you had the the Olympics canceled, or I should say postponed, uh, and pushed back to next year. So these events that happen rare or once a year or for the Olympics, like every four years, these are huge, huge, huge events that would take basically a lot for them to be canceled or postponed. And we've seen it time and time again. Masters. Right? We never thought the Masters, the one, no, the biggest golf major of the year, the one where the most people will tune in for, is postponed. It takes a lot for that to be pushed back. Again, Wimbledon the same way. It has historic, historic tennis event. And again, at the Olympics every four years. It takes something huge to push this back. And obviously with coronavirus, that is that huge thing. But the NFL is the only league, only sports organization continuing business as usual. And a lot of people have been criticizing the NFL, basically saying that they should not be doing this. They should follow the blueprint of other leagues like MLB, like NBA, like NHL, like golf, like tennis, just basically putting everything on hold, seeing what happens, but not resuming anything until it's safe and until really society can go back to a somewhat normal way of living. And to me at least, the NFL absolutely is doing the right thing here by going on and continuing business as usual. They have no, no, no reason to put everything what they're doing on hold and basically, again, just close up shop until the coronavirus hopefully passes through. And again, until we can get on the other side of this curve and the other side where we can continue to um, slow the spread rate and slow the death rate. But to me, the NFL is doing nothing wrong here. And here's why. They have the benefit right now of doing everything virtually for the most part. Nothing league-wise that is going on is mandatory to be in person. So why stop anything that could be done working from home, essentially? Right? We're all doing it. Businesses aren't, you know, the, the stock market isn't just shutting down. 
businesses aren't just closing up shop, still paying their employees and just waiting and, you know, basically riding the storm out, right? Not everyone's at home sitting around, not working. Most part, everyone is working from home, but still working. Sure, maybe not as productive or maybe not doing as much because you're home, so that takes a little bit of adjustment, but you're still at home and you're still working. So if the NFL, excuse me, if these businesses are still operating as close to normal as possible, how come the NFL can't do it? Free agency going on, I thought it was absolutely the right move to do because these teams can go visit and, and talk with players over the phone, over Skype, do as much, basically, in, interviews as possible without being in face-to-face. And even the, the draft, it's a little bit tougher now, and you hear a lot of GMs really starting to complain that they can't do their due diligence on draft prospects because they can't go bring them to their facility, kind of interview them, talk to them face-to-face. They had a little bit of time at the Combine, but that's, you know, at, at the Combine, you're talking to guys for 10 to 15 minutes, then they're getting whisked away to talk to another team. So this is really this time now is a great time for for teams to bring in players that they're you know they have questions about maybe a character question maybe an injury question, and it's basically a chance for them to do their due diligence, double check all the facts that they have gathered, check you know character wise that they they fit their team, and, and basically ans- try to figure out every answer to the question they have between now and the draft. However, they can't do that. It's a little bit tougher to do it when you can't bring a prospect in, sit him down face to face, and talk to him man to man. But they do have the capability of working around that. You know, Skype, you could still do interviews as close to normal as possible. So there's, there's ways the NFL can continue business as usual without putting teams and players at risk. Even the draft, they just announced that teams will be allowed to enter the facility and they can go to their draft room like normal, just they can't have more than 10 people, so they follow the, uh, the group band that's worldwide or at least nationwide right now. We can't have more than 10 people together. And so the NFL is following that, and they're having every executive that's in the draft room six, six, sit six feet apart. So they're following all the social distancing rules that the CDC is laying out, that the president is laying out, that each state is laying out. So they are following the guidelines that are being recommended that we're all following. So what's wrong with this? They're still doing business as usual, and they're just lucky that the fact that they, unlike any other sports league right now, is they are in their off-season, they're in their dead time, and everything business-wise that has to be done can be done over the phone, over, over Skype, and doesn't have to be in person. And, I mean, not to mention, let's, let's just be frank here, it is a very welcome distraction of what's going on in the NFL right now. Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers was a great week-long discussion, reaction, and, like, you know, to, to repeat myself, a distraction, because you look at the news, you turn on the television, all it is is coronavirus 24-7. At least to me, there, you know, especially when you're at home all day, every day, the content is limited because all, a lot of the distractions we have, not just in sports, concerts, shows, movies, going to the theater, a lot of this is taken away from us right now. So really, outside of Netflix, outside if you're a big sports fan like watching old games, outside of TV shows that are still running, there's really not much else out there to distract us from what's going on. So every day you hear President Trump, every day you hear your local governor or congressman or mayor speak about and give, her, give an update that really hasn't changed much from the, the day before, or unfortunately just repeats the grim news going forward that the coronavirus is going nowhere fast and it's only going to go worse before it gets better. There's no escape. 
So at least with the NFL going business as usual, it gives us something else to talk about. It gives us something else to focus on. It gives us something else to think about outside of the coronavirus and basically trying to stay as safe as possible because things aren't getting any better. They're only getting worse. So I at least, it helps keep me sane, helps keep me entertained. It helps just basically give me something else to think about because everywhere you turn, all it is is coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And I'm not trying to downplay that, that it's unnecessary or because the coronavirus is absolutely is getting the attention it deserves. And this is serious. I'm not trying to downplay that this is overblown at all. Trust me, I'm not doing that. But what I'm trying to do is that, you know, when you hear the same thing over and over and over again, it, it's hard to not drive yourself insane. You go to Twitter, you go to social media, you turn on the TV, all it is about coronavirus. And everyone, of course, now, everyone is an expert in one way or another. So you could hear anything you want in terms of this is all overblown, tomorrow will get better, to the other side where it's only going to get worse, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, you know, the death rate is only going to, you know, basically, it's only going to get worse and hope it should be lost, essentially. There's so much news out there, so much information out there that it's hard to gather facts from fiction, fact from opinion. So at least to me, the NFL is a very welcome distraction and it is something else to talk about that I at least embrace fully and I think the NFL is doing the right thing. And finally, they, you know, you, you have um, high up executives in the NFL speaking publicly about how they right now are planning for the season to go on business as usual. And I'm not talking about just right now the draft of free agency. They're talking about the regular season. Training camp, the regular season, once September rolls around, they see nothing that's going to change. They are still planning to play the London games right now. They haven't canceled that. And at least to me, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the NFL waiting and seeing. Because again, as we know with the coronavirus, nothing, nothing is really known. No one knows if you can get reinfected again. No one knows if 14 days truly is enough time to quarantine for it to run its course and go, and then you're safe. No one knows when really the peak will be. No one knows when we can return to normal. And no one knows, you know, what the summer is going to bring. This is literally a day-by-day fluctuation. If you want to deal week by week or even month by month where you have, you know, these guidelines, these social distancing guidelines at least extended through May 30th, excuse me, April 30th, fine. But you have some governors, you have some cities, some states, um, that are, you know, basically extending these the social distancing bans until June, mid-June, late June. My whole big thing with, with that is that we don't really know. So why ensue panic? Why discourage people by saying, basically, you're going to have to live this way, forget just, you know, for another two weeks, for another two or three months? And that very well could be the case. But to me, this, I have no problem with taking it week by week, month by month, to where if we get to April 30th and nothing has changed then you can push it back another two weeks or another month and say, all right, you know what? Unfortunately, as you can see, nothing's really improved. We're going to continue these guidelines um, for another month. We'll see maybe by May 3rd if we, can, you know, if we can really control and stop the spread of this virus. I'd rather take it month by month, week by week, than just have the NFL already start panicking about what's going to happen in September. I think the NFL is smart by playing the wait-and-see game. I really do because no one knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen. No one knows if the MLB will even have a season. No one knows if the NBA or NHL will be able to play games. And if they do, what it will look like, if fans will be allowed, where they'll play the games. No one knows. So we might as well have NFL games here without any fans. We might, as, we might not even have an NFL season. 
you know, Kirk Herbstreit of ESPN, who is, you know, their prominent um, college football analyst and really, again, one of the faces, one of the names synonymous with college football. He thinks that already the NFL and college football should cancel their seasons. Cause, and his reasoning is that they won't have a, vi- uh, a, um, a vaccine excuse me, set ready for about 2021. So until a vaccine is out there and you can actually cure people that are sick, why put the risk of not just having fans in the stands, but you have 53 players on a roster in the NFL, over 100 in college, with, with all the staffers and everyone else involved. You have a huge, huge operation that even if there's no fans allowed, there's still a ton of people gathering in one place to have this football game played. So is that really safer than, you know, is that really safe in general? No one really knows. But to me at least, there's no reason now to ensue panic or start canceling things that are so far out there in the future. I understand with Wimbledon. I understand with the Open that is now the latest golf major that is in jeopardy. I understand those events. That's a little different. But the NFL season, right now, they're they're playing the wait-and-see game. They're seeing what happens, and they're basically judging what their action will be once they know facts. Right now, we have no facts about when this will end, how severe it could be, what the timeline is, if there will be a vaccine at some point in 2021. No one really knows. So there's no point in making declarations and speculating and already putting people in more panic by saying that, yeah, the NFL season might not happen or you're going to have these kind of guidelines. Just wait and see. It's not that hard once July comes and August comes to push things back or say, you know what, we're going to start this season with no fans. So at least to me, the NFL is essentially doing what I hope a lot of this country would be doing, taking it day by day. No one knows facts. We don't know what's going to happen. I think we're all in agreement that this is not going to end anytime soon, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be no normal anytime soon, or back to normal, I should say, anytime soon. But there's no reason to, again, speculate what's going to happen two, three, or four months because we don't know what's going to happen. That's at least my, my whole spiel is that just play, just play it by ear. Play it day by day. See what happens. Have some contingency plans in place, which the NFL said. The NFL executive said they, they're working. They are contingency planning. But right now, there's no reason to change business um, the way it's scheduled. And so I agree. So do you agree? Do you have any problem with the NFL continuing free agency? Again, happened and it's still happening. There's some big names out there that haven't been signed yet. The NFL draft is going to happen in a few weeks. Do you have any problem with the NFL right now continuing their business, basically business as usual, while every other sports organization, league, has shut down their season? So let's get your thoughts again, either if you want to comment on Facebook, um, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, or on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio, um, or my personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three, you can drop a note, and we'll read that on the air for sure. So when we come back, we'll talk about, speaking of, you know, adjustments that leagues are going to have to make, I think the MLB, NHL, and NBA would be very, very, very wise to play and start the season without any fans. I'll tell you that. And Tiger King, full reaction. I'd love to get your thoughts, anything you have, because there is so much to unpack, so much to discuss. We'll get into Tiger King at the top of the hour, just about 15 minutes or so. As uh, the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, return on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back into the Worldwide Radio. <laughs> Crush that. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's been a tough day. I guess the, you know, the Monday off has really thrown me off here. Um, 
you listen to the start of the show, could not get anything out of my mouth. Couldn't do any ma- uh, math either. So really crushing here. But we do appreciate you turning into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey live here until 11 a.m. Um, so we do appreciate that. If you're a big Tiger King fan, that insane Netflix documentary that is sweeping the nation, I will talk, to, uh, talk about that in just about 10 minutes. We already have some comments filling in. On Facebook, so if you want to uh, get your comments in now or when we go, no problem. Uh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, if you type that in on Facebook, the live stream, boom, right there, right in front of you. And uh, anything you want to comment or upload the live video, we will uh, we'll definitely read on there. We heard of some Carol Baskin uh, facts being thrown around. I read an incredible, incredible Twitter thread yesterday um, about basically someone who was there covering Joe Exotic already for a podcast before Netflix got there. And just shines a lot of truth and a lot of perspective on what we saw, um, again, in Tiger King. So just about 10 minutes at the top of the hour, we will get into that. But I want to quickly squeeze in here why no fans equals no problem for the NBA, NHL, and MLB once they start their season. And this was kind of thrown out there by Joel Sherman, who works in the New York Post, MLB Network. He is a, uh, you know, an MLB insider. And he was reporting that MLB is the first league to return or likely to return without the fans. In the article he wrote, he quoted one team executive who said, quote, by a matter of weeks, we will be able to play games out crowds before we can play games with them. That's one team executive and another official within the game of baseball said, quote, I think the only way we play, at least initially, is without fans. End quote. And I totally agree. I think both of these gentlemen, obviously, first of all, are in the know being in the game of baseball. But second of all, at this point, already a few weeks in without any sports, I personally am going crazy. And I know if you're a big baseball fan, it's going crazy that you can't see your team night in and night out, especially now when you're at home. There's not many distractions. Sports, especially baseball, especially being a consistent night in, night out sport, will be a perfect remedy, at least a perfect distraction for anything that's going on. So I'm desperate to see baseball in any form come back. So I have no problem if they have to play the first month of the year in training camps, or excuse me, in spring training uh, stadiums, in Major League ballparks without any fans in it. At this point, I just want baseball back. I want sports back. I just want baseball back. And so to me, if the best way to get baseball back as soon as possible is by starting the year without any fans, starting the year playing neutral site games for teams, let's say the Yankees and the Mets, who right now obviously are in the epicenter of the coronavirus um, outbreak right here in New York City. So if that means playing games in Florida, or playing games, let's say, in Detroit. Let's just pick a random city. Let's say Detroit for the Yankees and the Rays. Yeah, I'm all for it. Because whatever it takes to get baseball back as soon as possible, whatever it takes to get the NBA and NHL back as soon as possible, I'm all in for it. It's not just a baseball thing. This is the NBA and NHL as well, because all three of those sports right now are in the same boat about either starting their season for MLB or resuming the end of their season for both the NHL and the NBA. And you got to think, too, before the season was canceled, one day before the season was canceled for the NBA, they were ready to play the Nets and the Warriors in front of an empty uh, chase center in San Francisco. So the NBA was already on board with playing games without any fans because they thought that was the best way to continue business, continue putting product on the, f- on the floor, and giving, things, uh, giving at least games for fans to watch. But obviously, they thought it was safest to where if they take out 20,000 fans, sure, that obviously lowers the risk of anyone getting corona. And that way, at least, that games could still go on in theory without players getting sick and everyone staying healthy. Obviously, we know that's not the case. 
And that was the plan, again, one day before Rudy Gobert tested positive and the season was canceled, or at least put on hold, I should say. So it will be weird. Absolutely. It will get, you know, take, get, it, get some taking used to. Oh, my goodness. Really crushing it today with the enunciation and the math and speaking. Good thing I don't get paid to speak for it. Thank God I don't get paid for this, for this show. So let me tell you, I'd be giving a lot of money back right now with the way this show is going. But it will take some getting used to watching games in empty stadiums or in even maybe neutral sites. Watching a Mets-Nationals game at Tropicana Field will be weird. But if that means getting baseball back on June 1st or mid-May, that is still MLB is pushing and thinking that they can do it, so be it. And think about where we are, right? So right now, social distancing, we just talked about the guidelines, are set through April 30th. So right now, until May 1st, no one is allowed to gather in groups bigger than 10. Right? So at least that has to mean, well, at least you got to think, well, baseball teams can't even practice and get together until that is at least lifted to, let's say, 50 or 100 people. And you you got to realize, we aren't just going back to normal one day. Like May, May 1st, we're not just going to basically magically wake up and everything's going to go back as normal as possible. People are going to go back to work. Seasons are going to resume. You can, go to, you can go to stadiums. You can go to arenas and watch your team. And basically, we're going to live life on May 1st like we did on January 1st. That's not the case. It's going to take a, a slow build to get back to any sort of normal. So it's going to, maybe it's going to go from 10. Maybe the next you know, parameter will be 50, then 100, then maybe 1,000. So think about it. So if we're going to have a slow build up to that point to where we slowly allow people to get together again, even just go back to work, when are we going to be allowed to have 40,000 people in the stadium watching a baseball game or 20,000 in an arena watching the NBA or the NHL? It's going to take some time. So let's just not, you know, MLB's hope by resuming in, in mid-May or even, you know, my plan, at least if you listened last week, was to start the season on June 1st. That's going to mean playing games in front of empty stadiums and playing games in neutral sites until it's safe for everyone to have fans back in their stadium. And I would have a hard time believing, especially in the NBA and NHL's case, where if they either do this for the playoffs, if they resume, I should say, and go right to the playoffs, or have a truncated rest of the regular season, I have a tough time believing that they will allow some teams to have fans and others not, especially for playoff games. Right? If you have the Nets who are going to make the playoffs playing, let's just say, the Bucks. Right, obviously Milwaukee's not much of an outbreak. Obviously Brooklyn is close to the city; it's an outbreak. You would assume that maybe the Bucks would be allowed to have fans for the playoffs, and the Nets wouldn't. I have a hard time seeing that the NBA would allow for four games the Bucks having fans in their home arena, having a legitimate home court advantage, and then going to Brooklyn and playing in front of an empty arena. So to me, at least, I, I would assume and I would think that it's only fair for these leagues, once they either start or resume, that they are going to hold back allowing fans into the stadiums until all teams in every city are allowed to host fans again. And we have no clue, like we were talking about the NFL, we have no clue when things are going to get anywhere near normal. So at least you have to do everything possible you can to have the season resume on time or as close to on time, and that means playing games without any fans, without, I should say, in neutral sites, so be it. Whatever to me, I'm this desperate already to where I will take sports back in any sort of fashion. Fans, no fans, home games, neutral site games. If it means baseball is back, if it means watching a Mets Nationals game from Port St. Lucie, that counts. I'm in. I'm in. NBA, NHL, same thing. The Knicks have to play the Jazz in 
Oklahoma City. I'll watch. I'm in. Sure, it's six. Can't go to the games. Right? I was supposed to go to opening day. A Christmas present for my dad. I was so excited to go. Love opening day. One of the best days in all the sports calendars just because baseball has that, you know, that ex- more than any other sport, I think. Opening day is special in baseball. So I was very excited. Last Thursday, as you know, if you listen, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day here in New York. And it hurt. You know, that was, you know, one of the first days. It was really depressing that, not, that sports weren't around and we weren't going to be able to go to games. And sure, it might sting a little bit. It might, you know, you feel some FOMO or feel some sadness that you're watching games and you know you, you should be there, but you can't. But to me, it's better than nothing. It's better than the alternative we have now, which is nothing going on. So obviously, you have to be safe. You have to make sure that these players can't get sick. But if it means starting the season two or three weeks earlier, but without fans and playing neutral sites compared to waiting a two or three extra weeks and then resuming seasons, I'm all in for starting the season earlier and starting the season without any fans. Especially, too, for MLB's case. I mean, they already are behind the eight ball. They need to get games in quick. The, the solution I had, at least the way I would have scheduled the MLB season, if you listened last week, was I would have started June 1st, extend the season two weeks into October. That allows you to play 126 games, basically 77%, give or take, of the season. But if, they want, or they, if they're going to wait until fans are allowed back in the stadiums, then I, I mean, you know, we're talking the best case, maybe mid-June? Best case? Maybe even July 1st? I, who, we don't know. So at least if MLB is waiting for that, they're going to just going to keep pushing the season back and back and back. Less games are going to be played, and you may even have a full cancellation of the season. So I'm all in for whatever it takes to get the season back. And right now, at least no fans for me. That's no problem at all. I think MLB, NHL, and NBA should go, absolutely go for it. That will mean sports return to normal at least quicker than they would if fans were in. So I'd love to get your thoughts again, either if you want to comment on Twitter um, at WWSRN underscore radio. Um, or on Facebook, type in Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook. The live feed, boom, is right there, and we will read your comments on the air. But when we come back, really, really excited to talk about this. Gave you an extra few days after not doing the show on Monday. Tiger King. I mean, first of all, the only, if you want to just sum it up in one word, wow. Because it was wild. It was crazy. It was honestly unbelievable at some points. Scary that this is, you know, the same country we're living in. People operate like this. So I'll give you my thoughts. I'd love, 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 love. Because I know a lot of you listening have watched it, have your own thoughts. Love for you to uh, love to get your thoughts on this because there is just so much going on. We have a few comments, again, either on Facebook or Twitter if you want to chime in. Um, We'll read your thoughts on the air and just kind of hopefully have a group discussion in real time about what we watched because there is so much to discuss. So we'll get to that when we come back on The Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. Let them run the jungle. Welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are listening to The Morning Boys with your host, Ryan Hickey. If you are a, um, a fan of Netflix, you're a fan of uh, really the, the social phenomenon that is sweeping the nation right now, you are very familiar with this song, who sings this song, and where it comes from. As If you have not seen it yet, 
First of all, unfortunately, I hate to say, I don't want to ever say, uh, tell people to tune out. There's going to be a lot of spoilers going on because essentially if you have not seen it yet, I would definitely carve out a big chunk of your time these next few days. Or, I mean, it is addictive enough where you can just do it in, in one shot. But to watch Tiger King because not only is it, I mean, captivating for sure, it is wild, crazy, so many twists and turns. And at least not what I expected. So at least I'll give you my thoughts. Again, I'd love to get your thoughts or read them on air in real time. Because so many people have so many different thoughts, takes, ideas that, you know, what, what happened, what we saw. And since the uh, documentary came out, a few updates on where people are and what's going on. It is... Um, there's a lot, a lot to unpack. So again, I'd love to get, really, I'd love to get your thoughts either on Facebook, on, uh, on Twitter, um, Facebook, World at Sports Radio Network. Um, type that in the show. Boom, right there, right in front of you, right on the page. If you want to comment anything below, um, read that on there. And WWSRN underscore radio as well if you were on Twitter. We have a few, uh, few chiming in, liking the song. Um, so that is Joe Exotic. I saw a tiger. So at least I'll give you my thoughts. First of all, I was shipped off the show by my girlfriend, Lauren. She said, I'm watching the show about people who own tigers. Um, I'm a big animal, per- animal person, I guess, is, is weird because I do – I love watching at least stuff about animals. Shark Week's my favorite week of the year. I love watching you know, pl- uh, Planet Earth or Blue Planet or any, any of these shows that basically show wildlife um, uninhibited and just kind of how they uh, interact um, in the wild. I, I'm all in. And honestly, that's what I thought this show was going to be. I've never heard of it until she suggested it. And it's like, oh, tigers, you know, this is cool. Um, they're kind of one of the most unknown animals out there in the wild because there's not that many, unfortunately, for what we've done. And just they're, they're so cool. They just love to, you know, kind of maybe have an idea of how they live and just kind of see what they're like. Well, after watching probably maybe 10 seconds of it, I realized it is not, it's not a documentary. It's not going to be a blue planet or a planet Earth sort of um, show about tigers. Um, so at least I'll, I'll kind of go how I'm going to do this, I guess, is because there's so much to discuss here. I'll probably just go character-wise. So I'll start with Joe Exotic and give you my thoughts, and we'll go from there. And again, any, any thoughts you want to have, chime in. And hopefully we can steer, steer a discussion somewhat towards um, one, uh, one piece or one, uh, one person throughout here. So just with Joe Exotic, the best word I guess I would use to describe Joe Exotic is insane, right? For First of all, for starting this entire zoo for buying all the tigers for, and not just the tigers, buying lions, panthers, pumas, chimpanzees, every exotic animal essentially you can, you can try to buy here that is somehow legal. Joe Exotic did it. And he went all in, you know, changed his name to Joe Exotic, which you, you, you got to do. Um, and at least I'll, I'll say this, because I think a lot of people feel this way. I feel, and still towards, even at the end of the documentary, I felt some sympathy for Joe Exotic. I, there's really no protagonist in, the, in this entire series, right? Whoever they bring in, whether it's Joe, whether it's Carol, whether it's Doc Antle, Jeff Lowe, any of the, you know, the other ancillary characters out there and kind of, you know, anyone, again, who's interviewed, for the most part, there's no protagonist. Everyone is featured in this documentary for the bad that they've done, even if they're disguising as good in the case of Gar- Carol Baskin, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I feel like I still felt like, and even maybe more so in the last episode, I felt the most sympathy for Joe Exotic. Now, because at least I do, especially in the beginning, I understand 
things got off the rails, and especially when he ran for governor and ran for president. And basically, it got to a point later on where he basically just did it for the fame, right? All he was doing was a zoo, and basically he wanted to be famous. That was his end goal. Forget caring for the tigers. Forget helping you know the zoo become one of the best and truly caring about the tigers, which let's not forget, this entire zoo, this entire operation was meant to help bring awareness of saving the tigers and saving the rainforest, right? That, that was the main goal, or at least the thought process early on. Let's not lose that fact that at least I think for the most part, his heart was in the right place when it started. I think he opened the zoo for the right reasons, obviously is to make money, but I think he at least was an animal lover and wasn't at least using the tigers initially to just exploit them. So that's why I kind of feel bad and sympathize, sympathize the most with Joe Exotic because I do think for the most part, he wanted to do the right thing. Obviously didn't, obviously used these animals, used people, um, but at least I do think in the beginning that he, his heart was in the right place. And my cousin Beth chimes in, and she, I think, has – and w- why it's so dangerous, too, is because she had a thought that I think a lot of people have watching this, and at least guys like Joe Exotic and Doc Antle and Carol, these people who actually go out and do and collect these tigers, is that she said she was very close to getting a cat. Oh, I'm sorry, a house cat, not a tiger, because they were so beautiful. So she actually – all right, she wasn't going to go all in on buying a tiger, but she wanted a house cat because they looked similar. But people wanted to buy cats, and part of the reason why his collection grew so big is because people would buy cubs – and then sell them once they got too big because they realized they can't take care of a tiger who's going to be five, six, seven hundred pounds. How are you going to feed that? Where are you going to cage that? So at least to me, that's why I feel the most sympathy for Joe Exotic. Um, and I'd love to get, you know, I don't know if, if I'm on my own there. I don't think I'm on my own from reading a lot of social media posts and stuff like that. But at least that's how I felt. Carol Baskin, there's, there's a lot to say. The first thing I'll say before we get to her husband and everything that's going on there, she 100% is a total hypocrite, right? She is trying to take down Joe Exotic. She is trying to take down Doc Antle, who's in Myrtle Beach, doing the same thing essentially as Joe Exotic, and she's trying to take down these other zoos. Now, on the surface, I would agree with the fight she's doing because it makes no sense that anyone should have a tiger outside of zoos, outside of accredited zoos. No one should have a tiger. No one should be able to personally be able to buy a tiger. And these other, you know, lions, pumas, panthers, these other exotic cats. So at least her cause on the surface, I think, is fine. Like, I, I think she, she you know, it, it's fine to have an advocacy to prevent people from making these mistakes of buying t- baby cats because they look cute and then all of a sudden, Six months, a year later, like, crap, what do I do with this thing? This thing's huge. I can't feed this. I can't support this. It's dangerous. What do I do? And just get rid of it. And unfortunately, you know, get rid of it to the wrong people. So at least that point, sure. But, I mean, what she does in her actions, she's a total hypocrite. Because she now is using these, using and, and basically starting a mob is what she's doing to shut these other zoos down or roadside zoos, exotic zoos, whatever you want to call them. But she's doing the same exact thing. Doesn't mean, that's what doesn't make any sense about her. Is that she starts off all nice. She's, you know, she's here. She, her heart's in the right place. And then, you know, midway through the first episode, you go to her, uh, her conservatory. And there's, she's having tours. She's charging people. She's having volunteers work there. And basically profiting off of these cats that she, quote unquote, is rescuing and saving. And you look, you know, as they pan through and they interview at different spots at the park, 
these cages and these setups are worse than what Joe Exotic has and Doc Antle has and some of these other zoos have. And these cages are not big. There's not a lot of places to roam. And there's, there's videos to where these, in order to get water, puts a, a, you know, a bowl of water like any other, you know, you would for a house cat or a dog. But in order for the cats, these lions and tigers to get it, they had to climb through and basically sit in a small cage. And the cage was not like barely big enough. It was like a kennel, essentially. You know, if you put your dog in a travel case or if you have a, a, a little cage at home, you put the dog in or the cat in when you go away. That's essentially what it was. And that was for the lions to drink out of. So it's insane that, you know, her setup was worse, but she was basically doing the same exact thing. But every, everything was all backwards. She was using the guise and, and the face and the surface of, I want to help save these cats. This is my conservatory. This is where I rescue these big cats, but then doesn't do anything to ensure that maybe they return to the wild somehow or maybe even go to zoos because zoos still do have some great setups and at least I believe still do ha- have the best way to at least to have these cats and have these animals that are used to roaming around basically have the best setup. So Tar- Carol's a total, total, total hypocrite. Bess also chimes in. She said, Carol's heart was in the right place in the beginning for sure. Oh, for this is for Joe Exotic. I apologize. It seems like a really broken person, but I think he's also abusive to young men and cats, and obviously Carol Baskin. We'll get to his threats uh, to Carol in a second. But I, so Beth agrees, so I'm not the only one. She sympathizes, and we are on the same page. At least Joe had his heart in the right place. And obviously, things got off the rails, and he did abuse the cats. He did abuse the people he worked with, uh, and he certainly... Certainly abused Carol. Now, the entire third episode, obviously, is dedicated towards finding out what happened to Carol's late husband, Don. People believe, and Joe Exotic, believe him or not, and some other people in the, in the uh, exotic zoo game believe she killed her husband. And not only that, she fed him to the tigers. My thought, she 100% had something to do with this disappearance. 100, 100%, 100%. She was involved one way or another. Whether... She killed him at the house and planted the car um, at the airport. Whether she doctored the plane somehow to where it would crash. Um, so, somehow, some way, she was involved in Don's death. I 100% believe that. I mean, you look at the, the entire third episode. She's basically laughing at the fact that he died, he disappeared. And that, and that she laughed at the fact that she'd be responsible. Now, I'm not telling people how to grieve. Obviously, I, never, I hope to never be in that situation. And no one hopes to ever be in that situation where your significant other just disappears one day. And then not only disappears, so that's that the grief, that grief is hard enough to deal with, disappears, then you're the one being blamed for the disappearance. So, yeah, I, I, it's not an enviable situation. I, I can never picture myself, so I'm not going to tell people to grieve. But it's, I mean, it, I feel like everyone would most, for the most part, have the same reaction. It doesn't matter that it happened, you know, 30 years ago when this, you know, this is filmed just... Assume either a few months ago or a few years ago, right? So let's say at least 25 years since, it, since he disappeared. Sure, time heals all wounds, sure. But I mean, the fact that you have no answers still, and the fact that you're being blamed for his death, I feel like would still get you emotional, get you upset. And your first reaction, and really your only reaction, would not be laughing about it. So I don't think she found him to the tigers, because I think there would be some sort of remnants of, of bones or skin. Like something, some part of the body, I think there would be remnants of 
that eventually you could find somehow and, and trace back to. So, and I don't think the tigers would have eaten the bones, the, like everything with that goes along with the human body. I don't believe he would have eaten. So personally, I don't believe she fed into the tigers, but something that did happen. You don't just conveniently, in this appearance case, when I believe the statute of limitations is five years before you can legally claim someone dead when they're not found, or, and one day after that five-year anniversary, she goes and claims him dead. There's no, no coincidence there. And not to mention, she cut off the entire family. Obviously, he had the, his ex-wife and two daughters, three daughters featured. Um, and basically, said that they got nothing. Yeah, to me, like, that, makes, that makes some sense. So I 100% believe that Carol had something to do with the death and that she's a total hypocrite. Doc Antle, at least with him, it's so weird because he 100% is a cult leader. Right, like I think, well, to be fair, everyone who runs these sort of zoos, because Joe's the same way. You brainwash these people that are working with you. Carol had volunteers working for free, and working in some cases, starting as volunteers, volunteering the entire time, not getting a dime of money paid towards them. Work five years, basically full time, at this quote unquote zoo. Let's just say that Carol owned, and then just to be a senior advisor or a senior care uh, caregiver, but still not get paid for it. So at least with Doc, at least with, with Joe, these guys are paying their workers, not, not a lot, and not giving them any sort of accommodations-wise to live. And the, the hours were grueling. You hear the one, one of the girls that was one of Doc's wives, multiple. Well, again, you have to be a co-leader to brainwash these girls to have multiple wives. Not only have multiple wives, multiple wives living with you and working with you and hanging out and coexisting together what, 12, 16 hours a day, every day? Think about it. There's, there's no days off. They openly talk about how they don't have Christmas, Thanksgiving. Like, these cats need care 24-7. So you are all in on whatever zoo you're working at. At least Doc and Joe paid them. Carol, not only was a hypocrite, didn't pay anyone. So Doc was definitely a cult leader for sure. Weird stuff going on with him and, and these girls, the way he was able to brainwash them. Um... I hope. I mean, the only the only thing I'll, I'll say about him is that because the most part he seemed decently normal, normal on a Tiger King scale, right? Like, not normal like me and you, normal for those featured in Tiger King. This guy seemed closest to normal as possible. And I mean, at the end, you saw that you know there's the rumors that um, Joe was saying that he euthanizes cubs and that he had the raid at his zoo. Um, I believe it was in February, if I'm not mistaken. So we have no clue to this day if, if that's the case, if he unfortunately euthanizes the cubs or not and then throws them in the crematorium machine that he has. Uh, if that's the case, he is way worse of a person, obviously, and goes right to the top of the list of people hated on the show. Fortunately, we don't know that for a fact, at least right now. So that, that guy is uh, pretty ridiculous. But weirdly enough, for a guy who has a cult, for a guy who has multiple wives and brainwashes these men and women who work um, on, at his zoo in Myrtle Beach. He seems close to normal as possible. And finally, Jeff Lowe. <sighs> this is tough because Jeff Lowe, I feel like, and Cal are one in 1A in terms of the most hated on the show. Right? I mean, th- this guy is a low of the low because all he is is essentially a professional scam artist. He's a con artist. All he does is go in there, sees weakness, profits off it, and does so by some shady ways. 
he 100% set Joe up. He obviously knew what he was doing. Obviously, I mean, he said he knew what he was doing. Basically, set Joe up to have this hit put out, have it executed, and then basically set Joe up to take the fall for what he was doing. And it's so weird because if you look, you know, if you if you Google um, any of these guys, you know, any, any of these characters involved after you watch the documentary, there's a lot of updates. You know, where are they now? Sort of thing, despite you know it being filmed relatively recently. But you have some, you know, where are they now stuff that happened. He's the only one, Jeff Lowe is, that is proud of, of the documentary, which is just wild. You go to, you know, his uh, on Instagram, he's under, like, the zoo that they have. They changed the name, and now it's, you know, that, that zoo, and that's his, his Instagram handle. He's tagging every post with, as seen on Tiger King, Tiger, and all these Tiger King hashtags. He's proud of the way he was portrayed and, and his involvement in the documentary. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. He's the only one who's profiting and, and acknowledging that I was on the show. I love the way I was portrayed. I love the, the things they said about me. Yeah, this is me. Come visit our zoo. Come in and see it on TV. We are here. It's, to me, it's wild. And how he wasn't questioned either at the end um, when Joe Exotic was going through his case is mind-blowing. You had a guy helping Joe set up and get in contact with a hitman to kill someone. I understand he's cooperating, but to have no questions at all, or even Alan, the hitman himself, his assistant, his right-hand man, and ask any questions? That's, that's wild. So that's what I think of the main characters. A few of the thoughts, and we'll get to yours as well, again, either on Facebook, World Art Sports Radio Network, or um, on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. Interesting. So I... So speaking of just the characters, I think I would still put Carol number one. But again, the, the gap between Carol and Jeff Lowe, I think, is very slim. It's one and one A. You have, let's see, Lauren Clark. What's up, Lauren? Chiming in. She said Jeff Lowe is the worst of all time. Beth also chimes in, I hate Jeff Lowe the most. Interesting. So you have at least two people saying Jeff is the worst. I would, again, I'll, I'll put him second but close. Second but close, definitely by far, Carol and Jeff Lowe take the cake as the two most hated and the worst people in this documentary. And again, for how sick Jeff Lowe is, he is the actually proud of everything that happened on the documentary. And again, advertising openly that I was on the documentary, come to our zoo, this is me. Uh, quick other thoughts. I'd love to get your thoughts here. I mean, I don't think that this is out on a limb or maybe even has to be you know, speculated upon. 100% Joe, he could be now. Joe Exotic hired Alan to kill Carol. Whether... Now, the real question is, what, what the hell happened with Alan? Because even in the documentary, he basically, at two different points, claimed that he chickened out. You know, oh, they're saying I chickened out? Yeah, I guess you can say that. Where he went down to Florida, maybe he went down to Big Cat Rescue's um, land, and then chickened out at the end and went somewhere else. People, you know, he's also claiming he's, he went to South Carolina, just hung out for a few weeks, spent all the money, came back. And then I recently I looked up, you know, basically, you know, tried to find some details, and Another story that's claiming, uh, Alan's claiming that he went down to Florida and never went to Big Cat Rescue, but was in Florida, partied with a few people, um, spent a lot of money on drugs and alcohol, and then basically came back to Oklahoma. So I'm not really sure which truth is there for Alan, what he actually did if he went to Florida, was at Big Cat Rescue and left, if he never intended on going, just basically was scamming Joe and setting him up where he took his money, that got the evidence he needs to set up Joe. Um, to go to jail for hiring a hitman, um, and then just you know ran off for a few weeks, came back. I don't know, but 
100%, I think Joe Exotic had the, um, the intention of hiring Allen, of paying Allen to go and execute Carol Baskin. And not to mention, he gives himself no favors by posting video after video after video, year after year after year, of openly threatening Carol, saying that it's his belief she will stop breathing if, he, if she tries to shut him down, having a, a gun on the video with, with a Carol blow-up doll or cutout shooting her in the head. Like, Joe, Joe gives himself no benefit of doubt. Um, so, 100% I think at least he was trying to hire a hitman, which is scary to I guess that was also my, another big takeaway I thought was that, not to get political here, but just, just trying to point out, you know, an observation, trying to do a Jerry Seinfeld observation here. Obviously, the Second Amendment, you know, the gun, the gun rules, the right to bear arms, is a very polarizing topic, right? You have people on one side who are, are all for uh, gun ownership, and they say, bitch, you want to take my gun, you have to come get them from me and threaten violence. You have those side that is very anti-guns, uh, believe that, you know, citizens should not just be having um, guns, let alone some of these big-time automatic, big-time guns, right? I'll say this. Why, if you're watching this documentary, seeing the way Joe Exotic is able to access guns and ammo easily, regularly, and then the way he acts with them, you understand why the gun issue is such a polarizing topic. You understand why people are concerned that people, that U.S. citizens should not own guns. Because you look down in Oklahoma, what's going on with Joe at his zoo, where he is buying dynamite, threatening a person by basically having a blow-up doll and, and taping dynamite and shooting uh, the, the doll. You, you totally understand why people do not want others to have guns. 100%. Because guys like Joe Exotic are the ones that have guns, that are using guns, and absolutely should not, should not have guns um, for sure. And just going back to the, the cults, I mean, if there's any argument of, of how these zoos are in cults, the best example, forget Doc Antle and, and his 10 wives, forget the money that you know, Joe and, and Doc pay to these workers, or in Carol's case, brainwash them to work for free for her. Think about it. One of the workers at, at Joe's zoo, Saf, got her, their arm bitten off by a tiger and then went to work a week later. And not only went to work a week later, opted to amputate their arm in order to come back to work. And then you hear in the interview that they quote that they wanted to get the amputation and want to get back to work as quick as possible to basically squell the meteor storm that would happen to where every day they're in the hospital, right, with that arm, with, with either no arm or in, in massive surgery. Is another day the media can point to and say, look, this is why these zoos shouldn't operate. This is why they should be put down. So to think about, to put the company first to where you get your arm bitten off and a week later, think about that, a week after losing your arm, your left arm, boom, gone. You will never see it ever again. A week later, you go back to work. You go back to the very place where you lost your arm. That's insanity. In insanity. I, I have two here and two more thoughts. I apologize. And, and again, if you want to comment on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook or Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. How is it legal for people to buy big cats? I have zero clue. How it's still legal for people to buy big cats? I have zero idea. It's ridiculous that that's even, first of all, allowed in this country to begin with, let alone now nothing has changed since then. And finally, doing some research, kind of doing a where are they now sort of thing, I stumbled on 
this Twitter thread um, yesterday. And if you follow me on Twitter, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, um, you can look. I tweeted this out yesterday. I'm just trying to pull it up here. I apologize. Give me one second. Because there was this incredible Twitter thread that I, I came across yesterday from Robert Moore. If you're on Twitter, you want to see it. Robert, so he's at Robert Moore, M-O-O-R underscore. It's Robert Moore, M-O-O-R underscore. So this was the fellow I was talking about that he was already at the zoo interviewing Joe Exotic and doing this, this podcast that he wanted to talk about and basically talking about the zoo. And he put out a tweet. Because, again, he, he put out a big thread. It's about 50, uh, 20 or 25 tweets, basically just giving some facts to back up what we saw on the documentary. And one of those that came to light, we thought it was very interesting and goes back to 100% why I think Carol killed her husband, was that he found out and he brought to light Carol Baskin had a second restraining order filed against her. So uh, the first one was from, obviously, her late first husband. He's dead. Disappeared. Don't know how, don't know why, don't know when. Then after his death, disappearance, I should say, possible murder, she did she dated this fellow named Jay Bakel. And Jay filed a restraining order a few years into dating Carol. And in the restraining order, in, in the note he put and in the explanation, he said he feared for his life. And he's quoted as saying two things, basically, that so he was asking Carol, you know what? What happens if your husband shows up? He disappeared. We don't know where he is. You saying you didn't murder him, so there's a you know there's a chance maybe she thinks that he flew down to I believe it was Costa Rica and just basically disappeared. That's Carol's theory. He flew down to Costa Rica, never came back. Well, this guy, you know, her her current boyfriend, them, Jay's like, well, what happens if he shows up? Right? We don't know where he is. He could absolutely be alive. You think he's alive? What happens if one day he comes and knocks on the door? She, you know, Jay is quoting Carol. In this official police report, when he files for a restraining order, saying, quote, dead body cannot talk. So on an official police document where he's telling the cops, Carol is quoted as saying, quote, dead body cannot talk. We're talking about it for husband, the possibility of her husband showing up one day. He also, he also included that he carried two guns, one in the car, basically one on him at all times because he feared for his life because of Carol. And the final anecdote he includes in his explanation as to why um, he wants her shutting her from Carol is that I guess there are human bones found at an RV center, which is close to their house. And she allegedly said that's a good thing that those bones weren't on her property or she'd be in some quote, deep bleep end quote. So obviously there's a lot going on here to where this is an official police document on the record. That there are two different instances that Crowell was quoting saying, yeah, it would not be good if, uh, if some bones um, pop up um, or, you know, no need to worry about my husband ever coming back because guess what? He's dead. Dead bodies can't talk. So I think at least those are my – there is still so much I feel like we haven't even covered. Um, get, let's, get to your, let's get to your thoughts as well. Again, we have read a lot from, from Beth and Lauren. Beth also chimes in. What do you think about, what do you think about Carol's current husband? Do we think he's scared of her? I think he's the strangest character of them all. 100% he's scared. 100, 100% he's scared. And my sister Colleen chimes in. The guy wore a cat collar and was on a leash during the wedding. Whipped is an understatement. And that is totally true. I mean, one of the wedding photos they, they had was Carol's husband. I forget his name. I think Howard, if I'm not mistaken. Was on all fours, and Carol was standing up with a leash around his neck. So Carol's current husband, Harm is afraid of her. 
100% doing whatever she says. And that's, I think, why, one, he's, they're still together. And two, honestly, he's still living, is because that he listens to whatever she says. So whatever Kyle wants to do in terms of taking Joe down, in terms of getting the authorities involved, he will listen. He will execute. So he's just as bad. I'm with He's just as bad as well. Um, but he is very subservient, and for 100%, he is 100% considered to Carol, um, and she has him wrapped around his finger. Um, also, don't forget the thread that speculates that Carol was a prostitute when she first met her husband. That's that's right. Carol was in some some weird, weird place when she met her, her first husband, Don. And Beth thinks that we're going to have to continue this next week. I think she's right, because I feel like we barely scratch the surface of what's gone on. So maybe if you haven't watched the season yet, and you want to um, want to get your thoughts, or as Lauren points out, the cow memes are fire, hundred um, percent. So if you're on the internet, you see a lot of these memes, you don't really understand them. You see a weird guy dressed, um, it's a funky clothes, posing with a tiger, or you see a lady wearing a lei, um, trying to be a holier than thou per you know persona. Um, if you want, lo- again, love to continue this morning because I feel like again we barely got into it. There's still a lot to talk about with James Garrettson, one of the sketchy characters that just was there but never gotten uh, – uh, yeah, let's get you on money because how these people haven't gotten in trouble outside of Joe is mind-boggling. Every one of them should be arrested. Every one of them should be in jail, not just jail. So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll continue the conversation on Monday as well. But, again, feel free to leave your initial thoughts either on uh, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network right there or on Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio or on personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey. And the number three, we'll get your thoughts. And when we come back – we have um, – I want to get into quickly the scheme if we have time about uh, college basketball. Uh, oh, I'm already blanking. A great show by me. Uh, college basketball documentary, excuse me, about agents paying players, paying coaches, and Quarantine Chronicles as well. We have three stories you have to hear to believe because none of them seem believable, and they are officially, legally um, cited documents, I mean, or events that have happened – um, one involves a car chase involving a pit bull. One is a girl throwing a Molotov cocktail and getting arrested for um, leaving her house when you're not supposed to. And the final one is a sneaky way to get out of your house without getting caught. All three will come up on the Quarantine Chronicles when the morning boys Ryan Hickey return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. <laughs> Welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to The Morning Boys with your host, Ryan Hickey, as we wrap up this Thursday edition, the first show in April. So hopefully, again, March is out of the way. Hopefully, April will be a better month uh, for everyone, we hope. We can only pray at this point that uh, that the coronavirus will be contained. And again, hopefully, we can start to hopefully live a better and normal life sooner rather than later. Um, so if you're just joining in, hope you enjoyed the uh, Tiger King co- uh, Tiger King talk. Easy for me to speak this morning. Um, and my cousin Beth just shot me a message, and I totally forgot to, uh, to even include this. But, you know, we talked about, obviously, all, all our thoughts. But even after this documentary came out, a lot of people reacted. Joe Exotic had thoughts. Uh, Doc Antle had thoughts. Joe, Jeff Lowe had tons of thoughts, and they're all positive in his mind. Because, uh, uh, obviously, his, in his world, um, any attention is good attention. Um, any, any publicity is good publicity, so he's all in. But Carol, I, f- I totally forgot about this, very outspoken 
about the documentary. She had a lot of thoughts and a lot of uh, a lot of words, let's say, to express her disapproval and um, at least combat a lot of the stuff that was being talked about. So we'll get to that on Monday. So we'll continue if you missed it or you want to continue and give your thoughts even more because, again, there's so much. I feel like we just spent a half hour talking, reading your thoughts, and, and kind of going through the character list and what, what happens. That I feel like there's still so much more to discuss and dive into. Uh, so we'll continue that on Monday. we get Carol's reaction again and uh, kind of – you know, maybe try to see how, you know, Carol's investigation was reopened by her husband. So maybe if you have any more details, um, we'll discuss that. So we'll finish up the show with Quarantine Chronicles. And there are three stories I found in the news this week that are too good to be true, that seem almost unbelievable, um, but they're all happened, all real. And if you have any uh, stories of your own you want to share before we get out of here, if you uh, put on Facebook, World Dead Sports Network on Facebook, just comment in the uh, comments below, or if you want to shoot us a tweet at WWSRN underscore radio. Um, my personal Twitter handle, Ryan underscore Hickey, and the number three or four. If you want to shoot me a message, uh, a text message, we can, uh, you can do that. If you want to save some anonymity, anonymity, that's no problem at all. We'll read those stories out of your names. Uh, trying to get a good laugh here again as there's a lot of tension, a lot of stress in the air. Hopefully at least give you a, a few things to laugh about before we get out of here at the top of the hour. So three, again, three stories here. The first one I have is a deceptive way to get out, right? Because now, at least worldwide, there is all sorts of shutdowns, all sorts of strictness on the shutdowns. Italy was in complete lockdown. The U.S. obviously, basically, there's essentially a stay-at-home um, issuance and suggestion for most of the country, and especially if you're in hotbeds like here in the Northeast, especially in the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. You basically, unless you are going to the grocery store, you shouldn't be going anywhere. Right, All non-essential businesses are forced to close. And basically, the best scenario that the government and everyone is telling you right now is to stay at home and just limit your exposure outside. And that way, we can slow down the virus, less people around, less people to spread it. And theoretically, that should help slow down the spread. Well, in case you needed to desperately go out or you're in a uh, place where essentially it's impossible to leave, um, there's a suggestion. There's a way at least you could do it. And this is a, this, a little bit harder because it's more video um, than audio or at least description, but hopefully I can describe it the best you can picture it. And if you, if you type it in on the internet, I'm sure you'll find it very quickly. But a man in the UK, in order to get out of the house, um, dressed head to toe literally as a bush. So I don't know how, how much time it took, but he was able to sew. It looked fake, but it could be real. Sew leaves. And more like shrub leaves onto pants, onto a shirt, and even made a head mask, you know, a, a, a helmet per se, where he was head to toe, head to toe, covered in leaves. It's basically, if you picture like ivy, right? If you, if you picture ivy, just wrap that around your entire body, that's what this man created in order to sneak out of the house. And there's a video, I believe it's on TikTok, so if you find it, if you are hip, which I'm not even hip, but I was able to find it on Twitter. But if you were, this is where originally on TikTok, if you're on that uh, application, uh, you type it in. So he's basically just in the driveway, just running around. Anytime a car would come, he would stop, crouch down, and it literally would look like a bush. So if you, had, if you didn't know any better, or if you just took a quick glance, that would look exactly like a bush. He would crouch down, hold his you know, hands to his knees, and just sit there. It literally looked like a bush. There's no part of his body exposed. It is all head-to-toe, covered um, in Ivy leaves, it looks like, and it's funny. The neighbors uh, took a video, and so he comes out. He's kind of dancing around his driveway. Comes back with a grocery bag. So whatever he had to go out and get, and wh- wherever I guess the UK, if their restrictions of leaving the house are more strict than at least here in the US, that's one way to get around um, being locked in your house 
and not being able to leave at all is literally go in your garage, get a bunch of ivy leaves and ivy vines, sew them to pants, sew them to your shoes, sew them to your shirt, sew them, you know, make a, a head. So basically you put it over your head, put it over your face and you just have eye holes. And that's how you can uh, get out of your house dressed and disguised as a bush. So, I mean, it, it's, it's insane. Again, I feel bad that this is not obviously a visual means where we can, I can show you the video right here and you can watch it. But if you look it up, it's, I'm sure it's very easy to find. And it's insane how realistic it looks. So if you have, I mean, everyone's a ton of time in their hands. That might be, if we're in a national shutdown, might be the way to go if you need to get out of the house, um, get some things or go to the grocery store or whatever you got to do that involves leaving your house. That might be one way to do it by dressing up as a bush and blending it anytime someone comes around, just whoop, stop and sit down, squat down. And most of the time people on sure will just walk right by it, think nothing of it. Um, so a second story, I teased it before, a, there's a Washington State man. He was arrested on Sunday after a high-speed chase. You know, nothing crazy, nothing you know, out of the ordinary. So high-speed chases happen. Most of the time, if not all the time, they end in an arrest or a crash. So obviously it's not that shocking that this person was arrested after high-speed chases. Faced several charges. He had a DUI, reckless driving, hit-and-run felony eluding. I'm not sure about the person he hit, to be honest. So I'm not trying to make too much of a lie, but I'm assuming they're okay. Um, and it didn't say, you know, man or anything else. So assuming it's just more, he hit something or someone and ran away, felony looting. And uh, the car was clocked to going 100, 100 miles per hour. This is where it gets wacky, out of the ordinary, and hard to believe. So officers, when they finally stopped the car, you know, got, got it controlled, got, got the man contained, and went over to make an arrest and went, went over to at least talk to the driver, sitting in the, in the driver's seat, was the man's pit bull. And police are legitimately on the record. This is no joke. Believe at one point during this high-speed chase, which I said where the car was going over 100 miles per hour at some points, they believe the dog was driving for at least part of the chase. Can you, can you believe that? I could not even imagine what the officer, like what your facial reaction is when you after this in- insane high-speed chase where you have nothing, no idea what to expect, I'm sure you, you brace for the worst when you finally get this car corralled, right? No one, no one in their right mind eludes and goes on a, uh, a high-speed chase unless you're seriously hiding something to where the alternative of getting arrested is thinking you can drive out of something. So whatever he was, he was doing, obviously, was not good. And again, obviously, he was DUI, had a hit-and-run felony eluding. So he thought that chasing and running from the cops was better than just taking his medicine. I could not imagine, after the cops finally slowed him down, opening the driver's seat, and there's a pit bull sitting in the front seat. And they think that at one point or another, the, the dog was driving during this 100-mile-an-hour um, high-speed chase. It gets even better, though. It gets even better. Because the troopers who arrested him have the man on the record as saying that he was teaching his dog how to drive. <laughs> I'm not sure if the dog was the one who was part of hit and, hit, hit and run. Um, I don't think the dog was driving, so it wouldn't be part of the DUI. But maybe this guy had a few drinks. Maybe, maybe that is the new, you know, instead of paying for an Uber, this guy thought, you know what? I'm going to go to the bar, have a few drinks, and bring my dog with me. Nice little, you know, me and little, you know, owner dog a bonding time. And when it comes back to going home, I'll have the dog sit on my lap. I'll hit the gas pedal. He'll be, he'll drive. That way, I'm not technically drinking and driving. 
And it's safer, I'm sure, at this point. You have to be very intoxicated to think that it's safer for a dog to drive rather than you drive. And so that was his excuse that part of it was he was teaching his dog how to drive. And at least I think this, is, this, is, this part is, I mean, again, it's a real news story. So this is not you know, some onion story. But the story ends, this is, this is funny. The story, this is the last line of the story. It was not clear if the pit bull would be charged in connection with the incident. <laughs> the pit bull could be facing charges for going and, you know, eluding police, hit and run felony, DUI, reckless driving, driver over 100 miles an hour, leading a, a high-speed chase. This poor dog, I'm sure, right? You, we have to trust our legal system enough to where the dog would not face any charges. But, I mean, and, you know, I, I said this to start the show. I hope people are staying safe and staying sane. Right? Both, I feel like at this point, are hard to do. They go with each other. If you stay safe, it help, you know, help your saneness. Working from home and basically staying at home 24-7, it's tough. It's tough on the mind, um, and it takes some uh, you know, getting used to, and it takes some things, some activities you know, to distract yourself and stay sane. This guy, I guess, was not able to stay sane, was going delusional, getting, losing it to the point where he thought, you know what? My best bet right now of just getting some distractions, going to the bar, blowing off, having a few cold ones. And I think it's a good idea for me to bring my pit bull along and then uh, have him drive me home. So hopefully Beth chimes in justice for the pit bull. I, I would agree. Hopefully the pit bull uh, does not face any charges. I'm not really sure how, how you would even bring a, a pit bull to jail or, or to court even. Um, but hopefully this guy faces a... Um, a ton of charges gets locked up because you have to be some sort of crazy to, uh, to do what he did. Speaking of crazy, we'll, we'll finish off with this. Um, I'm, the, the pit, you know, I, I titled it Pitbull and Clyde. <laughs> oh, going off the Bonnie and Clyde. Um, having your Pitbull drive, especially in a high-speed chase, is pretty bad. Pretty crazy. It's hard to top that. This story might top it. This happens in New Jersey. A New, New Jersey woman earlier this week, a 24-year-old, was charged. She, she broke the state's stay-at-home directive. Um, so, yes, what was she doing? What was so important for her to leave the house, right? Obviously, a lot of these states stay at home unless you are doing something that is like going to the grocery store or going to work if you're an essential worker. There's, there's not many excuses you can have right now where you could leave the house and it's okay. And so, obviously, what this woman did, she left the house. It was not okay because she was arrested for breaking the stay-at-home directive. So what was she doing? What was she doing that was so important that could not wait she had to leave her house for that was not approved by the government or the state for her as a, a proper reason why to leave? What she was doing <laughs> was she was throwing and went to, she went to her boyfriend's house and throwing a Molotov cocktail at his house. Molotov cocktails, you know, you got the bottle, you have some, uh, some gas in there, you put a, a flammable rag at the top, you light it, and basically it explodes once you throw it at something. So she, whatever, I could not imagine the fight her and her boyfriend got in. So she thought it was a good idea. I'm going to build a Molotov cocktail, which is, first of all, a, I didn't think people outside of playing Grand Theft Auto even knew how to make or even thought about doing this day and age. Goes back, gets a Molotov cocktail, or creates one, I should say. It was so enraged with whatever her boyfriend must have said at the time, assuming, obviously, they're not together if she had to go drive to his house to throw it at his house. So I couldn't even imagine what he must have said in order to piss her off so much where she created a Molotov cocktail, left her house, threw it at his house. Thankfully, did not detonate, but she was also charged with arson and weapons offense at, outside of breaking the stay-at-home directive. Could you, I'm trying to think, like, what could you say 
to get a girl so mad that she builds a Molotov cocktail and throws it at your house. <sighs> I'm trying to think because there's not much you can say, like, especially if you're not together. I understand, you know, if you're quarantined together, that's different when you're, you're around someone 24-7. Maybe you're not used to spending that much time with each other. You get on each other's nerves. That's one thing. But still, I mean, to, to throw a flammable bottle and try to have a detonate, Basically, throw a low, you know, a low-grade grenade, per se, right? That's basically what she did um, at someone's house. You have to really. I'm trying to think. You can't really call her fat. Maybe break up. I'm trying to. Could, could break up would a would a breakup warrant a Molotov cocktail being thrown at your house? Had to be an ugly breakup, first of all. But again, they're not in person. I'm just. I, I know you know. You could say words are hurt. But I guess break up, but. Outside of that, I mean, I would assume if they were cheating, it's tough to find out you're cheating because if you're stuck in each other's houses, one, it's hard to get, have someone come over. But two, how would they really know if someone's over if you can't leave your own house and all you can do is believe what they say on the phone or through text or for, through like a video message? So something had to happen that was insane. Um, again, this woman was arrested for throwing a Molotov cocktail. It did not detonate. But the story, not just this story, but the state of New Jersey – is also this is she's not the first woman to disobey the stay at home order. There's other, two other women right now that have also been arrested for leaving and breaking the stay at home directive. Both women, both in New Jersey, one's a 34 year old. She was charged with after she got a drink with her friend, so similar to this guy who had his pit bull drive after getting a few drinks. She crashed the car. So, really, if you're gonna, there, there's actually something wrong with you. Where if you're gonna, first of all, drinking and driving it has to be something severely wrong with you. If you still think that's a good idea in this day and age, it's never a good idea ever, ever, right? But now with how easy it is to crack down on that, how severe the penalties are. It makes zero sense to drink and drive, especially with how easy Uber is and getting a ride home. It's easier than ever. There's no excuse for it. But especially now, when there's a stay-at-home directive, so you really can't leave, you go get a drink of your friend, and then not only so you break the stay-at-home directive, you get a drink of your friend, you crash the car. you got to be smarter than that. you got to be way smarter than that. Uh, and finally, a 25-year-old woman went to another woman's house and assaulted her. So obviously... All these three women are charged with whatever they did, either having arson weapons charged for the woman who threw a Molotov cocktail. You have a, a lady drinking and driving and, and crashing. And now you have another young New Jersey woman um, going in to a woman's house and assaulting her. So obviously all three were charged with those crimes and, again, breaking the stay-at-home directive by New Jersey. I don't mean to pick on the state. This is I'm just literally relaying the, the news that I see that happens on my, on my social media feeds. I think they'll be funny and entertaining for you guys. I don't know what's going on in the water in New Jersey. If it's all people from New York City going home that you know live in the city but now are not used to spending so much time at home with their families that are just going crazy. Whatever it is, obviously these people are not staying sane. So I hope you stay sane. Hope you are staying safe. Um, we do appreciate you tuning into the Morning Boys. That will do it for this edition, this Thursday edition of the Morning Boys. We do appreciate you tuning into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're here every Monday, Thursday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Um, but also we have some great shows on the network as well, Down to the Wire with Errol Marks. Uh, I believe it's every night at 6 o'clock. So if you like us on Facebook, so Worldwide Sports Radio Network, tap that on Facebook. You throw us a like, you'll get a notification anytime a show goes live. Uh, if you throw us a follow on Twitter, same thing at WWSRN underscore radio. Throw us a follow there, you will get a uh, notification every single time a show on the network goes live. And not just network uh, shows we have, we also pump out some great articles as well. So if you go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com, 
You'll find a ton of great articles. And still, despite a lot of things being shut down, despite no sports going on, still a lot of content being pumped out. And so we do hope that it's a welcome distraction for you, again, in this time where there's not much content, there's not much distractions going on. We do hope to at least to provide you some humor, some enlightenment, some fun discussions um, here, at least on the World of Sports Radio Network, as much as possible. So, again, with that, we do appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully everyone stays safe, stay sane. Another weekend of basically having the weekend blend into the week. Not much going on outside of not really working from home, but there's still nothing we can do. So, again, at least for at least the next month, we hope everyone's staying sane, staying safe, practice social distancing, wash your hands, because the sooner we all can participate and get on the same page, hopefully the sooner this is this will be put past us, we'll get over this, and we can go resuming our daily lives. So, again, we do appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great, a safe, a sane weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.